Mother Knows Death presents External Exams with Nicole and Jemmy. Over the past few weeks on Mother Knows Death, Maria and I have talked about a variety of news stories that involve the GI system, and in particular, the newest fad of weight loss with drugs like Ozempic. And on today's external exam, I thought it would be perfect if we spoke with a GI specialist. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Partha Nandi. Hi, it's an honor to have you here. Well, thanks, Nicole. I like when people say external exam. When my patients say external exam, that only means one thing. So we're not doing that today, but absolutely, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to join me today. Thanks for being here. And Dr. Nandi is a gastroenterologist as well as a holistic health practitioner. And he is a host of his own TV show that is called Ask Dr. Nandi. Tell us about that a little bit. What's up with your TV show? Yeah, you know, what happened was um, my my dad, he was my biggest hero when I was growing up and he got sick when, uh, you know, about well, how long has it been now? It's been about 16 years ago. He got, he was very healthy, never, never really had any time to was in the hospital, but he got a devastating stroke. And what happened then, Nicole, is that I was, a, I thought I was a pretty good doc. I thought I was empathetic. I thought I did a good job. But what, what I became the patient because of my dad and the advocate, I realized that there's a lot I didn't know. What I mean by that is how to, how to be able to advocate for yourself, what it feels like as a patient through our health system, and also how do I, how do I as a patient, not as a doctor, prevent what happened to my dad? So, you know, I, 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 I thought about how to do it. And I had a friend who was a producer in LA and he, he talked to me and said, you know, some of the things you talked to me about, um, Dr. Nandy, we could, we could do a television. So I started a television show that basically talks about empowering you know to yourself to be a healthier which is your own advocate to for yourself and your family and that's what began and we started one television uh, station in Detroit that's where I'm from and then now you know we're syndicated throughout the country and the world it's because we want to have a simple message is that make your health and wellness your priority which is a lot what you're doing so that's kind of my that's our mission our you know our north star and then we we call the folks that believe in that, health heroes. We think everybody should be a health hero. So when you went to medical school, you became, you specialized in GI. Is that, have you done that since you graduated medical school and did a residency in, in GI? You've been doing that this whole time? Yeah. So what happens is you do medical school four years and you do residency for three years in internal medicine. So you become a specialized specialist in everything, right? Which is internal medicine. And that's helpful for my show because I talk about everything. And so then once you finish internal medicine, then you do three more years of being a subspecialist, which is a gastroenterologist. So that means diseases of the intestine, the, the, the liver, the pancreas, the colon, digestive issues. So I, 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 like, I liked it because, you know, you, you get to talk to people and then be an expert, but you also get to do some procedures where you look inside the stomach. Like today, we had a patient that was bleeding. I was able to put a little clip, stop the bleeding. I think that's cool because you have a patient that's sick, you do something, and they get better. That part of it I like. I also like counseling them for prevention. So that's why I like gastroenterology. I get that. G the GI system is probably my favorite system too. I just, I feel like I, I, 
I like it the most when I'm doing an autopsy or something. So I understand why you like it. So seeing how long have you been a GI doctor? Uh, for about decades, couple of de- couple of decades, yeah. Okay, so over the years, you've probably seen since you deal with the GI system, you've probably seen some changes in weight loss trends. I would say, and and I know some of this because I worked in surgical pathology for like twenty years. So I I would say, but maybe ten years ago, like all the rage was sleep gastrectomy every day, getting multiple sleep gastrectomies, and now it seems to be all the rage is like these weight loss drugs like Ozempic, right? And now we have we have all these celebrities that have been losing weight over the past couple of years. And now over the past couple of months, people like Oprah, um, Sharon Osbourne, they're all coming out and saying like, yeah, I use Ozempic. So now it's that's the drug of choice right now. And can you explain to us exactly like what Ozempic is and how does it help a person lose weight? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And to me, it's a revolution. It's like it's a revolutionary drug because it's it's working in a way that people understand it. And, you know, when people did gastric surgeries, like the sleep gastrectomies, like you're talking about, there are multiple ways for, for people who are listening and watching is that, you know, how you can you can have weight loss. One of them is kind of part of the stomach so you can't eat and you reroute it so you physically are not able to absorb nutrients and not eat. You can't eat enough. And so you you physically restrict it. This drug, like you talked about, Ozempic, and its analog, Wigovi. Remember, Ozempic is is indicated for diabetes, right? And for people who are diabetics, this analog, Wigovi, is is indicated for for weight loss. But people use it interchangeably. So let's talk about just Ozempic. It's it, there's a class. It's a class of medication called semiglutide. And what it does is it kind of mimics it. It pretends like it's a it's a hormone that naturally occurs in the body. And what that does is when that that hormone kind of goes up, it goes to your brain. And then the brain says, aha, I'm full. So you're not struggling. You just don't feel like eating, which is magnificent for people who are like, just always hungry and I can't stop it. Right. So it does that. In addition to that, in addition, it slows down the digestion by increasing the amount of time it takes for food. So in boxing, it's like a one-two punch because you're not only not feeling full, uh, not feeling hungry, but you also feel full for a longer period of time. And that's why it's so effective. Like, you know, a lot of people, and especially my colleagues are kind of like, they poo-poo it. I think, I think it's not so bad. I think you've tried everything else and this is the big if, right? I had a, I had a lady, Nicole, it said, and she was not obese. She said, eh, Doctor Nanny, can I do it? So I lose about 10, 15 pounds and look good in my bathing suit. Like, it's not what this is for. That's to me the key. You may see Oprah like melting away or, you know, some other celebrity, and you can tell they like dramatically lost weight. That's one thing, and they're doing it. But if you're not obese, first of all, I don't think you should do that. But secondly, you should couple it with the things we talk about by being your own health hero. We talk about five pillars it's purposeful living. Number two is, not a diet, but getting the right foods in your body. Number three is movement with purpose. You got to move and do things, uh, have community and spirituality. I think you got to really have a a holistic approach to doing this. Let's say you don't do all five, at least move and at least have healthy foods. It doesn't mean because I'm taking Wigovi or Ozempic that now I can, you know, have a, a juicy, you know, double cheese, whatever, 
a burger concoction, only what I want to eat. So you've got to eat better, you've got to eat healthy and move along with this. But to me, it's going to change things because I'm already seeing the demands. I do endoscopy, which is basically taking a little scope, going into your mouth, into your esophagus and stomach. I do that preoperatively, meaning that I, I, I tell the surgeons, hey, this patient can is, is okay to have a gastric bypass surgery. That demand, Nicole, is way down already. Not to mention what's going to happen in the future as we get more and more of these drugs. So the, to me, the, 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 the gray area is, hey, what's going to happen long term? We're talking about a couple months, three months, four months, five months, maybe even a year. But what happens five years down the road, you know, when, when you've taken this drug? So I'd like to know what the long-term side effects are, but I think it's, a, it's another tool in our armamentarium to be able to fight obesity, which to me is the biggest epidemic in the planet. I agree with you. And uh, I would say that a majority of the autopsies that I do to patient is it has obesity. in younger people that are that are, you know, th this prime age of of women that I was seeing, especially between like 50 and 60 years old, way too young to die, but all obese. And, and just I think it's really important that no matter how you lose it, you 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 lose it because of the comorbidities associated with ob obesity. But um, it's funny that you mentioned that about the short term weight loss for people that like me, like I'm trying to lose like five or 10 pounds. Just oh, just take this this medication we had we had a story in the news actually of a woman that was given ozempic because she was trying to lose weight for her daughter's wedding to fit into the dress so we're talking what 10 15 pounds max and she ended up having a bowel obstruction and dying because of it and so what are some of the the negative effects that you see with this type of drug well it's slowing down the intestinal motility, the movement of the of the food, right? That's going through. So people who already have problems with movement through your intestine can cause problems. You mentioned, you know, it, it, it's not common. It's rare. You could have problems with obstruction, which is a blockage in the intestine. You know, let's say you, if you have a little bit of an area and then you slow things down even more, potentially you can, you can make that worse. You can have problems with gallbladder problems. You can have problems with pancreatitis. There's rare problems with infections. There's all kinds of, you know, other side effects you can have, but the main ones are dealing with your food and your stomach not moving through. So you can have nausea, bloating, abdominal discomfort. So if you have any of those issues, don't forget to mention to your doctor. People are so desperate to get this. They don't, they don't want to tell them anything about what's going on. Even if they know that there's possibility of this happening, they don't tell their doctor or the healthcare provider, it's important you let people know that if you have any gastrointestinal issues, let your doctor figure that out. Any GI issues. So what I mean is are you nauseous? Are you, do you have bloating? Do you have discomfort? Let them know because this could make it worse. In some cases, it could make it significantly worse leading to hospitalization. So again, it's not to be taken lightly. It's not just, oh, I inject myself and I'm going to look great. It's, it's more than that. And again, again, I'll say it has to be coupled with diet and having good food choices and exercise. Do you think that doctors that are prescribing this are giving that message? Because I personally have friends and family members that take these medications and they still eat like shit. They don't exercise. And one family member, very close one, I won't name her name in particular, um, had serious issues with motility, like almost had to go to the hospital 
and she she doesn't have great eating habits and had some kind of an obstruction, severe abdominal pain, ended up passing it, but um, then had bleeding in the rectum and everything because of it. And I don't I don't think that anyone ever really said to her, you you need to change your your ways. So that concerns me. I think a lot of times, you know, we as doctors also want to keep our patients happy. It's easier just to write a script, right, and have them go on their way than taking the time to say, hey, this is what's going to happen. Because then comes the, oh, if the, so do you think that I should do this or not? Do you see what I'm saying? It's harder um, to, to do that. So lots of people say, eh, I think it'll be all right. Say if you take it. Because, well, you've been, to, you've been to people like myself. You don't have a lot of time. I mean, you're in and out so quickly. And if it's just that you're here for the drug that you're looking for for weight loss or diabetes management, let's say, then you're, you know, if you just write the prescription, you're on your way. So I think it's our responsibility, and this is for anybody who's a healthcare professional, to really let the patient know this is not a no-brainer. It's like a nothing burden right. or something. It's not like taking, it's not like taking something that is innocuous, right? It's something that's significant in your body that could could potentially harm you. So I think that people are not saying, hey, you know what? You could have your kidneys get damaged. Hey, you could have changes in your in your vision or worsening constipation. It, or you know, like your pancreas will get inflamed. Because I think that that it just it's just a, a, a much more involved conversation. And to be honest, some may not even know that. Some healthcare professionals who are writing it may not even know that there are these complications. So I think it's 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 Again, be your own health hero. You're, you're taking something. Get to know yourself. We have resources now. Get to know the side effects and see, hey, you know what? I'll go to my doctor and say, I have these problems. And you know the side effects. Can you You think it's right for me? It's got to be a joint decision, a partnership. It's not like I want to lose weight. Just take this. Um, it, it's, 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 it's a great drug and it can work. It can work. But I think that I, I don't think that it's something that should be taken lightly and should be, you know, taken with the direction of your healthcare provider. And you have to ask them, can something bad happen with this? I like that you mentioned about the long-term side effects, because obviously this drug hasn't been out too long to really know what is going to happen in 15, 20 years down the line with people that have been taking this medication long-term. And obviously this medication isn't for people to take for the rest of their lives. It's supposed to be a Correct. I mean, if they're not taking it for diabetes management or something. So um, I don't know if you heard this, but recently a a huge company, Weight Watchers, has has kind of gotten on the Ozempic bandwagon. And now they offer a subscription that you can get Ozempic along with their weight loss program, which is good because they teach healthy eating habits and stuff. But do you feel like our culture is kind of like heavily going hard into this Ozempic and giving up things like the the regular way that used to lose weight with like caloric restriction and exercise? Yeah, I think that's you're absolutely right. To me, you as a as the person prescribing have to make it very important. Once you get to your goal, you have to continue to do the other things besides the medication. Otherwise, I mean, there's studies right now that show that if you don't. If you continue to do what you were doing before the Ozempic, you'll you'll gain the weight right back. It, it's not magical, right? So once you take away the active substance that's that's making your brain feel like you're full and you're slowing down the the, the speed of the stomach moving food through, 
you're going to gain the weight back. So it's really important to learn those habits while you're taking the drugs if you have if you don't have those habits. So you're absolutely right. And you know, it's not meant for them to just keep taking it forever. Some people will take it for a longer period of time because they may not get the weight loss, but it's not meant for, for people who are trying to have weight loss um, and not having diabetes. It's not forever. But again, we have to let the patients know you gotta, you've got to be able to understand the other two things that you do, which is movement, which is exercise, and eating well. And to be eating well, that doesn't mean that you know, you eat less, it means that when you eat the foods, make sure they're whole, make sure they're nutritious, make sure that they give you the the the, the, the nutrients you need and not just just looking at the taste and that's it. You know, like you have, a, you know, cheeseburger, for example, may taste good, but the nutrient value and the toxin value, tax, toxin load is huge. So you've got to be able to teach those. We We have to be able to do that. Patients who come to you for this, have clearly not learned this, most of them, because otherwise they wouldn't be asking you for that. So we have to be able to teach our, our patients that to be able to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. It's going to come again and again, or they're going to be on the drug for a very long time. This episode is being brought to you today by my book, Nicole and Jemmy's Anatomy. If you didn't get what you wanted this holiday season, you're going to want this book. It is a tour through the human body, starting with A through Z, and it tells you all the different things that could go wrong with your body. And a little unknown fact about this book is that there are multiple members of my family in this book, including my handsome husband, my dad, my aunt, and my sister-in-law. So check it out. You can go to thedoramater.com slash book and find where you can get this great book. Well, now that you're talking about toxic foods, this is a good time to get into this subject. I worked years ago with a with a brilliant GI pathologist. She was awesome. And she was like very much into this, the new research of all this leaky gux stuff we were talking about. And back when she was talking about this, this was like 15 years ago, probably people were kind of thinking she was a quack for thinking for for believing in this stuff. And now all of this research is coming out that most people agree that leaky gut is is a thing. Um, could you please explain exactly what that is to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's a great question. And so if you think about where blood and poop are separated, right? You think that it's it's a it's a huge barrier. It's one cell layer thick. So let's say this is a cell, you know, my hand on this side is poop. This side is blood. So your GI tract, your intestinal tract, the cells have a huge job to be able to prevent stuff that's in your poop to go in your blood. And when it doesn't do that well, people who are very insightful, like your GI pathologist that you worked with, called it leaky gut because this happens. Your gut is leaky. Stuff comes through. But now we, we, like you said, there's there's studies that showing that this works, so we have a fancier name for it. It's called intestinal permeability. So what happens is that in that one cell layer thick, you know, barrier between poop and blood, you have these things called tight junctions, which are like completely sealed tight, and it's kind of like a a very very sophisticated group of bouncers that will not let anything in or let anything out that doesn't belong. So once those those defense mechanisms of your of your intestinal tract 
are, are not there, stuff can get through. And you think, you say, so what? You know, what if stuff gets through? Well, it won't be like big chunks of stool. We're not talking about that. On the microscopic level, you're having little particles, which are toxins, let's say from a bug, from a bacteria. One of them we know is called LPS or lipopolysaccharide. When that goes in the bloodstream, here's what happens, Nicole. Your entire defense system goes, oh my gosh, something happened. So your all of your, your immune system, so I call it kind of your almost your entire defense of your body. So your your white cells come in, your natural killer cells, your lymphocytes, everything comes through comes through. If you made the analogy in your in the, in, in a country, you'd have the FBI, the CIA, the army, the navy, everybody comes and says, there is an attack. Something's come through. And it starts attacking because it thinks something's there. In that reaction, if you have it once in a while, well, won't matter. But if that leak continues and you have more stuff that comes through, that's the beginning of inflammation because then these cells continue to be activated trying to get rid of whatever this toxin that's coming through. And when it continues, it can cause inflammation. And inflammation is the beginning of all disease, whether it's of the heart, whether it's of the brain, and lung, any part of it. That's why to me, the gut, and you and I are, you know, agree on this, is the gut is such an important part of your body. Why? Because it's the center. It's, 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 if you can fix the gut, not get leaky gut, change what's called your microbiome, which is the trillions of bugs in your intestinal system, you can help prevent disease. I'm writing a book about comparing, you know, taking your gut health and optimizing it to prevent diseases of the brain, like the one my dad had. And it's, it's startling what you can do to your, with your gut to be able to prevent that. But, but to answer your question, you know, this, this leaky gut, this is such an important idea because if you can prevent that and keep your gut healthy, then you can you can really conquer so many diseases um, that we that we that we suffer with in our country and throughout the world. Stuff like heart disease, cancer, autoimmune disease, all these are inflammatory conditions that can make things worse. And do you think that this inflammation is obviously it's like more linked to processed foods, correct? In a sense, it, it, the inflammation is there, but it's inflammation on the side of the cell that's that's going towards the blood and also on the side, which is in the intestinal cell. And it absolutely, it will be difficult to process food if you have increased inflammation. But what's even more startling is that that inflammation can then, can then affect the rest of the body. And this is where it's in, exploding, Nicole, every single specialty in medicine, every disease state is finding that if you your gut health is bad, then your disease state of that organ is bad. So let's talk about the brain in Alzheimer's. There's an Alzheimer's gut almost. If you look at heart disease or people with coronary artery disease or people with Crohn's disease or, or rheumatoid arthritis, there's a, there's a change in the way the gut is and the microbiome as well. In the processing of foods, you know, when you don't have the right environment, your food's processing incorrectly and your food doesn't become your friend anymore. And that's what we have to prevent. And there's simple ways of doing it. Try not to eat processed foods. It's super simple. Try to eat foods that you can see. Maybe even do the unthinkable. Go into your kitchen and actually use it and not use your phone to have somebody deliver it so you can take your rolling chair and go to the door, pick up the food, go back to your couch and eat it. I mean, you know, when you do that, it's so unnatural for human beings. 
throughout history, we had to hunt and gather. We had to move around, get our own food, real food. That's what we've been looking at for millions of years, right? All of a sudden, in the last 50 years, you've got everything changed, right? Food's made in the factory and given to you. You heat it up in this thing called the microwave or whatever, and, and everything's made in a factory. If we can just go back and find foods that your body is used to, like whole vegetables and fruits and, and things that are the meats that are not made in, in, in little tiny, you know, coops where artificial growth is happening for meats. I mean, if we, if we eat food the way we used to, then we'll do well. Why? Because that's what's brought us here for all these years. Now, in the last 50 years, everything's changed. So back to your question about, about the gut and, and leaky gut, because what the, what the microbiome and the gut does not like is everything that we eat. Let's have a box of cereal because that's shown on TV, full of processed foods, full of artificial sugars, or let's have a slice of pepperoni pizza. It's like an atomic weapon against your gut. Bad carbs, bad fat, preservatives. I mean, your gut doesn't even know what to do. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm like, and it's shaking, you know, microscopically. And so you eat that once in a while. I'm not crazy. Like, you know, I have, I have kids. They have birthday parties. Do I have a slice of pizza? Absolutely. But when you make that slice of pizza or your burger or your fries every single day, which a lot of people do, or your TV dinners or your processed foods every day, then your body can't handle it. It goes into overload. Leaky gut happens. You have intestinal permeability, the beginning of disease. And is it is it a wonder that I have a 35-year-old person with colon cancer, that I'm talking to a 29-year-old saying, that, my God, they told me I have breast cancer. Like we're, we're, we're just shocked and bewildered that all this stuff is happening. But the crap that we put in our bodies, and that's just the food we're talking about, not to mention the un, unbelievable amount of stress that we put on ourselves, right? So all those things lead toward an unhealthy gut. But we can make but simple practices that you do every day that can reverse that. And the quicker you do that, and, 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 and the younger you are when you do that, the more prolific the changes are. So you have a guide on your website that people can can look at that tells you it's kind of cool because it's like a, a quick if you if you have to eat processed foods, here's how to make better choices, kind of. Yeah. And what I wanted people to do is be real. Right. So we'll give you a guide. And and say, hey, you know what? This is toxic. This is not. And so you can you can look and choose and and see what you can do. Because to to us, excuse me, to me and the little people that work with me, we want to make it simple. If it's complicated, then it's and it's bad. So this guide is going to be simple. You can read it. It's written in normal language. It's understandable. So yeah, we'll we'll be happy to give it to your to your listeners and your viewers whenever if they if they choose to have it. And you also sell some supplements on your website, and they're they're mostly vitamins that are what they're really good for you, obviously. And with the processed foods and everything, we're not getting a lot of those those things, correct? Yeah, what's happening is that our soil, Nicole, is devoid. We have over, you know, farmed land. We put so many what are called, you know, GMO products and seeds basically sucks all the nutrients out of the soil. This is an example. So let's say you eat a cabbage now versus 1935. It's completely different. So what, what was happening in my medical career is that I would get patients coming with these big old bags. 
and say, doctor, that come with 15 supplements. What should I take? What shouldn't I? Now it said, yes, no, yes, no. And I said, you know, to our team, I said, you know, why don't we create our own line so I can curate it and let people know. We went to manufacturers to see how they actually made it and, and what their sites look like. And then I, I wanted to not just say, here's, here's your vitamin D, here's your vitamin K, here's the, the, the nutrient supplement that you can take, but rather, is it nutrient dense? So you look at, let's say, a grocery store and you have like a vitamin D, it may come in a form that's not bioavailable. What that means is you take it and it seems like the same number as, let's say, the one we pick, but ours is more bioavailable, so more stuff gets in your gut. So we're careful to make sure that, that the manufacturing is, is appropriate, that the, that, that the product is highly high quality so that we would take it in our family. So, and I mean, we did that because that for many, many years I've been curating it. So we decided to do it on our own. It, it's it's uh, from the Healthy Row Pharmacy and it's just, you know, it's my name, Arthur Nandy, MD Supplement. So yeah, if, if anybody wants to know about, more about it, I'll give some more information for sure. Yeah, and that's good because a lot of times, like I just order my vitamins off Amazon, which is probably a horrible idea because who even knows who's making them? So it's nice to think I could get them from a trusted a trusted source. But before we let you go, we want to talk about a couple of news stories that we that we covered over the past couple of weeks. One, you'll find these really interesting because they're GI related and they all have to do with foreign bodies, which is always everyone's favorite subject. There was a, a woman in Spain who said that she was choking on turkey and she tried to get the turkey out of her throat with a toothbrush. And then she accidentally swallowed the toothbrush and they had to do an endoscopy to remove the toothbrush. And my first thought as a, as a person that worked in pathology, that's received all of these foreign bodies that you guys take out. I was, I thought, "Mm, I don't know if that's exactly the story because I've received so many large things like pens, butter knives from people that were bulimic. And I have heard that the the gag reflex is not what it is when people are inducing vomiting so much and they stick larger objects down there to make themselves throw up. And that that is what I think how the toothbrush got down there. But again, I think it's possible she was trying to dislodge something. But I yeah, think the well, more I, likely story is that <laughs> that's how it got there. Try to do that. And then, you, you know, you're right. We see the, the wildest things people put in there. And I just thought, well, just be honest with us. We're not here to judge you. You know, people, you find things in the rectum. They go, oh, I was just, I just sat on it. And it's just like, okay, you, you just. You <laughs> that honest. did not happen. <laughs> no way a gerbil gets inside of you because you sat on it. You know, people put the most amazing things in the rectum and their mouth. So people, I've seen razor blades. I've seen, you know, obviously crosses. I've seen every kind of device that's put in. And then, you know, from the other end, anything that stimulates, um, you know, the, the rectum, they'll, they'll put in all kinds of vibratory devices, the things that, that you'd be surprised about. And I just, I just thought, just be honest, we're not here to judge you. And it's the hardest thing is taking those out safely because people don't understand it when you put it in, you know, to take it out without tearing the esophagus, for example, we have to grab it and pull it out so slowly because you could basically fillet the esophagus coming up. You know, I mean, and so on the rectum, you know, the sphincter tone is there and you have to be able to retrieve this without damaging the sphincter tone, something sharp. I mean, so it's, it's, listen, that's why, you know, we trained to do this, but it's, it still amazes me all the crap that people put in their bodies and, uh, 
and they have very creative stories and how it got there and the people that come with them to explain, you know, I had, I had somebody whose who's mistress had tried to do something with him and, and, and got stuck inside the rectum. And, then, you know, the, the creative stories they come up with is amazing, but it's just human nature and, you know, people will continue to be people. Yeah. And I imagine it's probably the most embarrassing day of some person's life if they have to go in and, and say that. And everyone, know, everyone knows how it got up there that, you know, <laughs> we're not, <laughs> we're not stupid, but just wrapping up since it's, since it's holiday time and we're giving kids presents and stuff. That was another big one that we've been covering in the news is toys that have been problems. One of them is the water beads. I'm sure you have kids, right? So you you probably know about these causing obstructions and and yeah, the magnets. Yeah, and I I have a four year old, so I have to constantly tell him not to put those things anything in his mouth. But you know the the thing is that you have to you can't just count on them having common sense as your little kids. So you're exactly right. I think like water beads that are going to swell with water, which is in your intestine, can block. You know, if you block the intestine, it's it's more than a small problem. It could lead to surgery. So we have to tell parents you gotta be you gotta be more responsible and and keep it out of the reach if you're gonna have things that are going to give you problems. Any any small object, you know, is important to to keep keep out of the way of kids. And it's not just this is not just something to do with the holidays, but you know, a lot of us like those um those detergent pods. It's one of the most common. Um, reasons why kids can have toxic reactions in their esophagus and possibly die because they swallow it because it's colorful. You ever seen those things that look like, I mean, you can be fooled and it looks like candy or something you put in your mouth. And can you imagine that? You're, you're putting detergent in your esophagus. It's one of the most horrific things I've seen. Oh, that man. So we've, I beg parents, if you're going to do it, don't put it in the lower shelf, but as high as possible so kids can't reach them. Give them the fear of God that this is horrible for you. So we've got to really educate our parents, and we as healthcare providers, and you know, and you're doing a great job in, in disseminating this kind of information. People won't think of it, but only it just takes one time to make a mistake, and your kid's dead. I mean, I know I, it's so you, terrible. You can't do anything about it. You, I mean, you literally watch this thing just like rip up your esophagus. And obliterated. It's 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 horrific. Yeah, and then even if they survive, like what kind of quality of life do you have with all those surgeries that you have to repair it? It's just can't eat. I, mean, I, I can't imagine bad. going through that as a parent. It, it must be terrible. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Do you what are you working on any new projects? Uh, yeah, I am. You know, to talk so, about. Um, yeah, I'm working on my book, and the the book is basically talking about you know healing your gut, fixing your mind. So. I'm almost ready to, to to send it over a publisher, so it'll be coming out um, uh, very soon. And we're working on a, a, a probiotic that'll help us to be able to connect the gut with the mind. So I'll, I'll be coming out with that, and they'll be on our website, askdrnandy.com. Oh, awesome! That's it. That sounds great. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I I didn't tell you this when you were talking about it, but I I just recently had an experience with that because I stopped eating gluten. Um, like a couple years ago now, because I was having such excruciating migraines and none of the medications they were giving me were working. So I finally just decided to stop eating gluten and it healed me basically. Wow. And for some reason, I decided a couple months ago that I was going to officially get tested to see if I had celiac. So I was going to eat gluten for two weeks so I could get my endoscopy done. And 
not only did I put myself through hell, but my family <laughs> too. Um, and it's interesting that you're saying that because I had uh, obviously like I went down the line of all the things I haven't been able to eat for the past couple of years. Like, OK, I'm going to have a McDonald's hamburger this day and I'm going to have a Dunkin Donuts this day. I went, you know, and I felt fine. I ate it and I said, oh, cool, I'm I'm fine. Like maybe I could eat gluten again. And then just having it. Every, I only had one serving of it every day. But within a couple of days, I was so sick. It was nuts. So I'm back on my gluten-free diet and I'm very happy, <laughs> but it it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Trust me. Like 100%. 100%. Um, so thanks for being with us today. And that was really great information. And I, I loved how you talked about the, the layer between the poop and the blood. It, it really, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I hope people get a lot from that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully we can talk again. Thank you for listening to Mother Knows Death. As a reminder, my training is as a pathologist assistant. I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks.